All right, get your Bibles out, if you would, please. And we're going to begin a just a three-week mini-series on, um, on the power of God and miracles and that general area, as Pastor Noah mentioned to you, as he greeted you after worship time. We're going to just do some things in these next few weeks, hopefully to stir your faith up and Get your eyes pointed on a miracle-working God. Do you believe God can do miracles? Come on now, do you really believe? Come on, you got to believe. It's not just acquiescing or, or, or somehow just saying, yeah, yeah, I, I, if there's a God, I think he could do that. No, you gotta, you got to believe for miracles. And I just felt like at the beginning of the summer would be a good time just to stir the tank. And begin to, one more time, help us all just to get our faith enlarged and our focus pointed in his direction and believe God for great and mighty things. We, we are a church that believes in the present ministry of the Holy Spirit. We believe here in the present power of God to do the miraculous. And uh, on occasion, we want to just set aside some time on a Sunday morning, maybe even a few weeks in a row... To just uh, remind us one more time that this is what we are about. Let me tell you, we can talk about vision. We can talk about leadership. We can talk about the program or the plan or the process. And all of these things have their place. But if there's not a power to accomplish the impossible. Do you understand right now? We, we are in a hostile environment in this world as Christians. And, and we're going to need a favor and we're going to need a power to come from another dimension in order to assist us in being victorious, which the word says we can be in every area of life. And so we we need this stirred in us on occasion. In America, we have lots of knowledge, but little power. In fact, every time I can break away and get to a third world nation, I've been to, I've been to Russia, which is not technically a third world nation, although when it collapsed in the early nineties, you would have thought it was a third world nation. I was there for several years at several times. I've been to Nicaragua several times. Definitely a third world country. And every time I go to these, what we consider backward, impoverished nations, I'm amazed at how they they clamor for the instruction of Americans. But whenever I go as an American, I may be able to give them more understanding and maybe revelation and even knowledge, but they always challenge me to the power of God. These nations are the ones that understand the power of God. If you're looking for a meal at least once a day, you've got to believe that an impossible working God will come up and do the possible uh, for you. I think I had that backwards, but nonetheless, we, we believe God can do that. It was Tozier. I love reading A.W. Tozier. He commented that without the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the power of God, 95% of what the early church did would have ceased. He went on to say that if the Holy Spirit were removed today, 95% of what we do in the modern church would continue unabated. Isn't that sad but true? It's interesting, there was a story that they told years ago when I was in graduate school. It was the story of, kind of uh, spun off of the account of Peter and John going to the temple gate. And as you'll recall there in Acts chapter 3, they were going to the temple gate to worship God. And there was a man crippled, lame since birth, some 30 years, I think the scripture indicates. And he was begging for alms. 
And Peter and John walked by and he begged for alms. And Peter's famous words were, look at us. And the Bible says that he transfixed his eyes at them. And Peter said, silver and gold have I none. But what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And the scripture said that all of a sudden that lame man who everyone knew had been had been crippled for decades, suddenly got up and began to walk. It caused such a stir in Jerusalem. You understand that healing got them whooped. You understand that, don't you? I mean, we cry out for the power of God. Understand what it got them. Got them a quick trip to the religious leaders, and then they got they got uh, flogged, and it says that they counted it uh, uh, worthy. They were glad to have been counted worthy to have suffered uh, for the cause of Christ. So get ready, folks. If you believe in the power of God and and you want the power of God, not everybody's thrilled to death with this stuff. But we absolutely have to have the power of God in our midst. Anyway, back to the story. That was the scripture reference. And the story was that Thomas Aquinas went to the Vatican. And as he was getting a tour of the Vatican, the guide looked at him and said to Aquinas, he said, after looking at all the, the wonderful things that had been accrued by the church through the centuries... He looked at Aquinas and said, uh, no longer can we say silver and gold have we none. And Aquinas said, true, and no longer can we say arise and walk either. And so we've got to be able to get to the place where we can see the miracle working God move in our midst. Now, I want that. I hope you want that. That is what part of what we are all about here at Legacy. But this type of restoration does not come to the lethargic. It does not come to the apathetic. It does not come to the neutral. But it's reserved for those, I believe, who will pay the God prices in order to see that happen. Now, I'm going to share a passage with you today. And we're just going to get things stirred. Uh, Noah mentioned that next week we're, we're, going to, we're going to just step into some things and we'll be praying for people. We're going to set aside some time to specifically lay hands and pray for people and believe God for miracles in a very real and tangible way. And there may be some moment for that this morning as well. But we're going to spend some time in these three weeks and we're just going to get the atmosphere stirred in faith once again to believe God for great and mighty things. Amen? Come on, when you come to church, you ought to be coming to something supernatural. I know you need taught, you need instructed all of these things have their place, but we're going to spend some time on this subject. And, and I've entitled the message this morning, The Cry for Spiritual Power. The Cry for Spiritual Power. Now, if you found 2 Kings, open your Bibles up to 2 Kings. I can't read to you the whole chapter. I am going to be mentioning several features of the whole chapter. I'm not going to read the whole chapter to you. But in 2 Kings chapter 2, I want to read just a couple of verses here. Um, so we can kind of get the overall sense of what's going on, but we're going to be looking at some verses that are before the ones I read to you as well as some verses afterwards. So keep your Bibles open to second Kings chapter two. I'm going to begin with verse number nine. And so it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, ask, what may I do for you before I am taken away from you? Elisha said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. So he said, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. 
Then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and he cried out, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more and he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into two pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water and said, and again, these may be underlinable words in your Bible. He said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had struck the water, it was divided this way and that, and Elisha crossed over. Now, when the sons of the prophets who were from Jericho saw him, they said, the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. And we're going to be talking this morning on what I've entitled the cry for spiritual power. Now, this account in 2 Kings chapter 2 is the familiar account, I would suspect to many of you, of Elijah ending his career his ministry, his life, with a very dramatic exit. He's being taken away into heaven. And we find Elisha, just prior to him being taken away in these flaming flaming chariots, we find Elisha asking for a double portion and receiving, the word tells us, from his spiritual dad, the mantle that was on his life. Now, Elijah, as I began to think about this, Elijah was an important and interesting character in the life of Israel. If you study Elijah, you'll see in 1 Kings chapter 17, he shows up. We don't know where he comes from. We don't know much about his background. He just sort of comes on the scene. He comes out of nowhere. And then suddenly he leaves almost the same way in a whirlwind. Elijah, the prophet, epitomized much to the nation of Israel what it was that God had in store for them. He epitomized to to Israel, the heart of God, the desire of God, the, the power of God. He was the voice of the Lord to them. He, he demonstrated signs and wonders and miracles in their midst. Elijah was the great confronter. He was the one that was the voice of justice, as you will recall. He was the one that stood before Ahab and Jezebel to call them on the carpet for their murder and their manipulation of Naboth's vineyard. Elijah. Elijah is such a dominant character, probably second only to Moses of the most dominant character in the Old Testament. Elijah is the person that the Old Testament, the Bible uses to describe a part of the end time outpouring that will take place. If you've never read the passages sometime, go to the last book of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi. Turn to chapter 4, begin with verse 5. And it tells us that on the great and terrible day of the Lord, that there will preface it an outpouring which gives us an indicator that the spirit of Elijah is going to be released. And in that spirit, they, they will actually turn, it says, the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. And the Lord says, I'm going to do this that I might not smite the land with the curse. And so Elijah is this, this incredibly dominating character in the life of Israel in the Old Testament. And the Bible tells us that as Elisha, one of his servants, was walking along with him, he requested from this 
larger than life figure, he requested from him that he would receive a double portion. Is that not remarkable? Of course, he could do that because Elijah said, ask. Ask what you want. And so Elisha says, I want a double portion. He says, I want a double portion of, of, of what's going on in your life. Now, I'm gonna, I've taught this before. I'm going to teach it again because a lot of people think when he said double portion, it just meant twice as much of, of God as you've got. It, it, it sort of means that, but sort of not. I, I have come to believe that what Elisha was asking for was, number one, a release of his own anointing, a release of the power of God that was in him, but also he desired a release of that spirit that was working in Elijah. He wanted the deposit of his spiritual dad in his life too. And something happened because when, when he crosses the Jordan and he moves back to Jericho and the sons of the prophets see Elisha coming back, they instantly respond by saying the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. They instantly recognize that, that what Elijah had is now being transferred to Elisha. And Elisha not only received what Elijah had, but Elisha, of course, as a man of God and a servant of the Lord, certainly has his own portion as well. And so he asks, he asks Elijah for this thing. He says, I want a double portion. And there's an interesting phrase that just sort of generates itself here that that I've, I've mused on and I've preached on these passages on numerous occasions. And every time I come to this passage, I always stop and, and I try to let the Lord just sort of work on me because Elijah responds to him and he says, you have asked a hard thing. You have asked a hard thing. Now, I want you to hear me. Elijah didn't say you've asked an impossible thing. He simply said you've asked a hard thing. And I've often wondered why he felt like it was a hard thing. And I have come to the conclusion that while spiritual things are free, I mean, if you know, salvation is a free gift. I mean, you don't, you don't have to work to be saved. I mean, the grace of God is free to his people. They, they certainly receive it by faith. They have to respond in obedience. These things are true. But I mean, there's a lot of free things in the kingdom. But just because something's free doesn't make it easy. I know a lot of free things huh, that have taken a lot of work. And Elijah says, you have asked a hard thing. Elijah basically is saying to, to move in spiritual power is available, but don't think it's automatically easy. In fact, when Elisha receives the mantle, he cries out these important words that I told you to underline in your Bible. He says the phrase, where is the Lord God of Elijah? Where is the Lord God of Elijah? I honestly believe that that phrase was a cry for spiritual power. Where is the God of Elijah? There was a passion and a hunger in Elisha to see a manifestation of the power of Elijah demonstrated and even doubled. In his eyes. And truth is, if we were to count them up, Elisha has twice as many recorded miracles in the Bible as Elijah had. Now, knowing all of that, what does that have to do with us? Well, let's translate that now into modern day Christianity 101. Jesus told us. He said, the works that I do, you shall do. And greater works than these. 
because I go to the Father. Now, it's interesting that when Jesus departed, his mandate and his mantle was not only to do what he did, but he promised that if we would pick up his mantle, we would eclipse all that he did. Is that not remarkable? I've had people being sarcastic with me on occasion, even look and say, well, who, who do you think you are, Jesus? Well, truth of the matter is, he promised I'd even do more than he would do. That's not me. That's the Lord himself. And, and, and so we have these amazing promises, but there has to be in this generation, I believe, a group of believers who will cry out for spiritual power. Have you and I really cried out to God for the manifestation again of his power? Now, this is not a selfish thing. I will fully admit that I am ill-equipped and weak to do the work of the Lord. So for me to cry out for spiritual power is not a selfish thing. It's simply saying this, Lord, if you want me to do your will and you want me to accomplish your plan, and if you've got a kingdom purpose in the earth that you want to take place in a hostile territory, then Lord, I need spiritual power. You want to live for Christ at your workplace? Or live for Jesus in your school? Or you want to see Him move in a certain arena? Or you need a healing? Or you're trying to reverse a situation? Or resources need to come to you? I'm telling you, you've got to cry out for spiritual power. That's not a selfish thing. Now, hear me. I realize some people have turned it into a selfish thing. Because all they want is the blessing. But the blessing is meant to come in order to accomplish his will and his purposes. And if I can keep that in context and I can keep my motive on target, God, God is more than happy to dispense his power in our midst. And so I, I began to read this, this whole chapter. And I know it's an Old Testament chapter, but I believe it really gives some insight as to how power gets transferred. Elijah and Elisha, to me, represent the transfer of power from one generation to another. There's an Elijah generation that is, that is maybe older and wiser. There's always an older generation. So long as the Lord tarries, you know there'll always be an older generation. So, so there's this generation that, that has known the power of God, that has seen the miracles of God, that can testify to God doing incredible things. And then there's this next generation, Elisha who is desiring for God to do something big and great. And so we see this, this transfer of power that's happening between the generations. Now, the thing that I began to see was this, that power is not arbitrarily released. But the Lord would like to eclipse himself. He would like to outdo himself. He, he would like to, to, to just really just go over the top of himself exponentially from generation to generation he wants i don't know whatever he did you know and i can go through history and i can tell you some things that have happened in history but can i share this with you that god very much in our hour right now wants to do something in the life of his church which would eclipse what took place on the day of pentecost if pentecost is how he started his church I'm here to declare to you that however God starts is not how he finishes. God is not a weak finisher. 
God got started in a blast of power. And I believe that the glory of the latter house will be greater than the former house. And that he's waiting for a generation who will cry out for power. Because he wants to not only give us the book of Acts. He wants to do even more than that. See, I believe that. But until we cry out for that. See, we're not crying out for that. We're not, we're not, we're not believing for that. We're not confessing for that. Oh, we think it would be great just to have the book of Acts. Yes, it would be. And yes, we need to be at least there because that becomes the springboard for going on to the next thing. Hallelujah. And on Pentecost Sunday, what better Sunday to begin to sow into you again, not just the the dramatic happenings of Pentecost, which was the start of the church, but to begin to sow into you the possibility of the glorious church. That Jesus is looking for the glorious church without spot or wrinkle. He's looking for a church not with its tail between its legs, but with power in its arms. He is looking for a church that can one more time walk, walk through the streets and walk down even hospital corridors. And say, silver and gold have I none, but what I have, arise and walk. Why not? Why not believe that if the glory of God is going to come and encompass the earth, why not begin to cry out and say, oh God, help us clear out the hospitals. Help us raise them out of the wheelchairs. Help us again to see what you said we could do come to pass. And God's saying, I will when you cry out for it. See, we got to cry out for this stuff. But I'm going to tell you something. This isn't even in my notes. I have now left the notes. The notes have left the building. Every now and then I'll preach myself out of my notes. I mean, I mean, we've got to... Before this morning's over... Well, I can't go there yet. I'll say it to you this way. We have got to get back to the place where on Sunday morning... We start talking about the baptism with the Holy Spirit. We start talking about the power of God. We start talking about these things. I'm telling you, we got to get back to talking about this. We are ashamed. And when you are ashamed of your Pentecostal roots, and when you are ashamed of, of the ties that we have to the day of Pentecost, I mean, we're so afraid of weirding the world out because somebody speaks in a spiritual language. We're just so afraid we might alienate them. Folks, just having Jesus in your life is going to alienate people. We're not trying to somehow get to be like them. We're trying to reach out to them and bring them into the kingdom. I mean, when think about it. I know most of you have been attending church for a good long time. But I'm just telling you, if we've got... There's a number of aspects to our call as, as a church. But my call, I have several aspects to it. But one of them is... Sunday morning, it's time to talk about the baptism with the Holy Spirit. So I don't, I don't, I don't think that's necessary. You know what? If the early church had to have it, then we got to have it. And not just that, it's at least the starting point of God eclipsing himself. So we've got to cry out. The Lord wants to do these things. He wants to pass it on even even exponentially from generation to generation to generation. But how many of you know that has rarely happened? It has rarely happened. And I just want to ask you, who will carry the burden for the next great awakening? Who's going to cry out for the next great awakening? Hear me now. We'll cry out for greater attendance. 
But who's going to carry the burden for the next great awakening? Who will carry the revival spirit of other generations? Who will pick up the healing mantle of the 1940 healing evangelist? Let me tell you, you may not like Oral Roberts, but Oral Roberts saw him get out of wheelchairs. Who's going to pick that up? Who's going to pick these things up from generations gone by? Who's going to pick up the move of God from the 1950s and the latter reign? Who's going to pick up the renewal, what we call the charismatic renewal of the 1960s and 70s, folks? we got to begin to understand that somebody's got to pick this stuff up again and bear witness to these things. We live in an era where we cry out to be entertained. And the reason we want to be entertained is because there's been no power. You wouldn't need as much entertainment if the power of God came. We want more people. We cry out for everything in the world, but we never say, where is the Lord God of Elijah? Where is the God of miracles? Where is the God of power? Where is the God of the testimonies that I've heard of times past? Where's the God of signs and wonders? I believe it's time again that we begin to see power in our midst. But the question is, how, pastor, how does this happen? Because Elijah says, you have asked a hard thing. This is a hard thing. That's a free thing, but it's a hard thing. And so I believe there's some principles. And I just want to share a couple of things with you that I think can help us in these, at least these next few weeks. Now, we believe this 24-7, 365 days a year. You realize that, don't you? I mean, I know we have encounter weekends, we have other things that we do, and, and the Holy Spirit is invited to all of it. But every now and then, we just need to get it up front and central, bring it up on Sunday morning, maybe winnow out a few in the troops, but begin to sow into the hearts and into the minds and into the spirits of those who are hungry the very, very real possibility that God can come in incredible ways. Elisha had to be willing he had to be willing to journey through four cities. Now, I, I've never preached like this before. This is the first time I really started to chew on this. He, he actually went through four different cities, and each of these cities represented something that had to be accomplished, I believe, in his life before he got to the place where he received the mantle. I want to just step through these cities that he went through. It's actually all through the chapter, and you can follow along and see that what I'm telling you is true. As Elisha began his journey with Elijah. The first stop was the city of Gilgal. Gilgal. Gilgal is the place of circumcision. Now, if you study Gilgal, you'll find out that the Israelites had to stop at Gilgal, and it was there they were circumcised before the Lord in, in order to prepare themselves to get into the promised land and into their destiny. Now, I'm not getting into all that circumcision means except to say that it was a covenant mark that the Lord had prescribed in order to distinguish his people from other peoples of the earth. And, and so it was a place of circumcision. They were, they were distinguished. There was, there was a purity that was associated with it. There was a cleansing that was associated with it. And I believe that the, the New Testament and biblical analogy to circumcision is this, that there has to be a, a circumcision of the heart. The scripture says that, that no longer does God require necessarily physical circumcision, but he requires that circumcision of the heart, which was to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy soul and all thy mind and all thy strength. That there's something in the motive that has to be circumcised. 
and to receive power, I believe, folks, that we're going to have to make sure we get through Gilgal and, and that we're circumcised in our hearts and that we're cleansed in our hearts and that your heart is right before God. Listen to me carefully. God wants to meet your need. But right now, some of you are so focused on your need that you're missing him. And you're wanting God to move. And I understand it's hard and it's difficult and, and, and it's, it's testing you and trying you. But this is the moment that he's purifying the heart. This is about covenant with God. And, and, and I started to think about that and I thought, for me, you know, as a pastor, and as any man here, in fact, I could take all the men and, and I'm not going to make you men say amen at this point, but I know you well enough because I'm one of you to tell you that for us, life can be about a lot of things. Life can be about success. Life can be about position. Life can be about money. Life can be about respect. Life can be about a lot of different things. For me... You know, I can look at, at, at God and say, oh, God, I want you to make me more successful. Oh, God, I want you to, to grant me more influence. Oh, God, I, I, I want you to, to raise the budget. Oh, God, I could go through all the things that any normal man might go through and want God's power to show up in order to accomplish those things. But if the motive's not right, I've not been circumcised. It's got to be, oh, God, send your power for kingdom purpose. It's not about being famous. It's about being a servant. It's not about being respected or desired. It's about how God needs to be glorified in your life. It's not about do, do people respect, do people need to respect me. No, no, they don't. They need to see God glorified. That's the most important thing. So, so Elisha had to go through Gilgal. The second city he went to was the one called Bethel. And I call Bethel the place of revelation because because as you will recall, Bethel was the place that Jacob's eyes saw angels going up and down on the ladders. You remember he went to sleep there in Bethel and he had this vision of angels going up and down ladders. He, he actually was seeing how the eternal realm was connected to the natural realm. And uh, we actually have the statement that Jacob made on the wall out there at the information center. If you'll look up and you'll see that little statement. Jacob said at Bethel. He said when he was confronted with the presence of God. And he had this vision of the spiritual realm touching the natural realm. He said surely this is the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And I believe that Bethel. If you want to see power restored in your life and in the life of the church. You must begin to see how God moves in the spirit realm. You must begin to get revelation that God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And you must begin to break the power and the dominion of your natural senses. And, and you must begin to, to break free from the bondage of the natural so you can begin to get revelation of the spiritual. I mean, there was an occasion, I think it was Elijah or Elisha, I get confused, but one of them was going into a battle and their eyes were opened. And you recall that there was a natural army that had uh, arrayed themselves against him, but the Lord opened his eyes up and he saw chariots and angels and a greater army in the spiritual realm. Well, if we want to see the power of God, we've got to get eyes like that. We've got to, we've got to break out of our natural sense dominion and begin to function in the place of revelation. I believe that's the second stop, Bethel. The third stop is Jericho. Jericho was the next city they stopped at. I called it the place of victorious battle. 
All of you know Jericho. You remember Jericho. The children of Israel went into the promised land. They get to the, the city of Jericho. It had closed itself up. And God gives the people there a strange strategy. Did he not? In order to bring the walls of Jericho down. Strange strategy. He told them that for six days they were to walk around absolutely silent. On the seventh day they were to walk six times silent. And then on the seventh time around they were to shout their brains out. And the scripture tells us that out of that strategy. The walls came down and they won the battle at Jericho. Now hear me. If you want power to come into your situation, are you ready to implement some strange strategies in the release of power? I don't know how we got here in the church today. And I'm not saying that this isn't correct and there's not wisdom in it. So understand what I'm about ready to say. I've got to hit something in order to shake us back to a, a more proper biblical perspective but, but I, I have heard so many times people say these words. Well, if it's smooth and it all fits together, it must be God. Honey, when was the last time anything smooth happened to us? I, I don't recall anything smooth happening all the time. Now, I've had people say this before. It all fits together. When it all fits, it must be God. Can I just share this with you? Sometimes God's going to have you do some strange things in order that you might get a victory in your life. And if you want to see the power of God, then you're going to have to get some of these victories under your belt by obeying strange strategy. Think about this. Jesus healed the guy's eye by spitting in mud and putting it in his eye. Kind of strange, huh? Do you want me to go through all the strange happenings? That's the place of victorious battle. You've got to be prepared to do some strange things. And then finally, the fourth place was the place called Jordan. And I called Jordan the place of enlarged faith. Now, I believe this. I believe that the river Jordan represents a boundary that has to be crossed. You see, to get to destiny or to get to power or to get to the impossible things of God, you've got to step across a boundary in order to move to a place that you have never been before. Most of us have constructed in our lives these preconceived boundaries or boxes of which we're very much happy for God to move any way he wants within this preconceived boundary of our life. But God doesn't work within our boxes. God breaks the box. And he calls you out of your box. And he calls you to step out of the place of convenience. And to step out of the place of comfort at times. He says, are you willing to take a step of faith to a place that pulls you across your preconceived boundary to get you into a destiny? Come on, this is a hard thing, Elijah says. If it were easy, you'd see people busting boxes every which direction. But we've not had many box-breaking parties, have we? No, it's a hard thing. It's a hard thing to take a deep breath and say to yourself, I've got to step out of what I'm used to, to step into an area I've never been before. 
To step into a place that, that I've got to trust Him. To step into a place where I don't know how this is going to work out. I've never been here before. But folks, God doesn't need to do miracles in what you can control. He'll only do miracles when you're out of control. And these are the cities that I believe He takes us all through. Now the fascinating thing to me was that all along the way, there were things that were trying to keep Elisha from going forward. It's a hard thing, remember. I mean, if this was easy... I mean, we'd already look not only like the book of Acts, but we'd be way further than that. But this is a hard thing. And there were things that were, that were endeavoring to keep Elisha to, at the place where he already was. And I'm just going to share with you that there will be people and there will be voices. And sometimes they'll even be well-intended voices that will do their best to keep you from that mantle. And your passion, hear me now, you got to get a passion for the power of God. If you've got a take it or leave it spirit, then probably what I'm saying you may bless you and I hope it teaches you something and you just keep on coming. But 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 there comes a moment that you gotta get passionate to see God move. You gotta get passionate so that you'll push through to the place where the mantle falls. And so there were some opposition and obstacles to this to this power, and, and as I was just going through this, it it kind of made me chuckle a little bit, although I'm quite sure it wasn't funny to Elisha as he was going through all of this but the first obstacle can i just share this and 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 hopefully i can communicate this well but but his first obstacle was i put down here an overly compassionate spiritual father now isn't that interesting you know for all of elijah's good points and elijah had a lot of good points we need to remember that he was a human being too in fact, many of you will recall that after he had that incredible moment at Mount Carmel where fire came down from heaven and consumed the altars and the false prophets and all the things that took place, Jezebel threatened him and it, and it put him into a depression. And he went out and he sat under a, a tree and there he entered into self-pity. And, you know, out of his self-pity, he was going, there's nobody, nobody left but me. I'm the only one. And God had to send another message to him and say, shut up, you're not the only one. There are yet, I don't know what he said, six, seven thousand that have not bowed their knee to Baal yet. So you're not the only one. But it was a glimpse that Elijah was very much a human being. And it's interesting that as chapter 2 here in 2 Kings gets started, Elijah said to Elisha, he literally says to him, the spiritual dad to his servant, he literally says to him, stay here. I always wondered why he said that. I, 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 just, I was just letting this kind of work in my spirit this week. Elijah says to Elisha, you can stay here. That's, I think, in verse 2. Now, I asked myself, why would, why would Elijah say to Elisha, stay here? Could it be that he was trying to save Elisha from the lessons that he knew he would need to learn? I mean, can I just share this with you? I've got enough Christian experience under my belt Trace does too. She's been with me almost every moment of the way. Some of you that have walked this walk a long time could probably say the same thing as I'm about ready to say right now. I have enough experience under my belt that I can look at people, especially if, if you're a new Christian or if you're on the front end of your journey. Sometimes, sometimes, you know, they've been on the journey for quite some time. We have the capacity to look at times at your life and we know instantly what city you're fixing to go to. 
And I want you to know, just because of compassion and mercy, I wouldn't wish anything bad on you. I, I, can I just be honest? I'm, I'm just like with my children, my own natural biological children. I don't want anything bad to happen to my kids. I, I want them to enjoy life. I want them to be blessed. I want them to avoid, if they can at all avoid the difficult moments of life, if I as a dad can help them avoid that stuff, I want to do whatever I can. Can we at least say amen that most of us want to be a good parent? I mean, we, we want that. But can we be honest enough to say this, that there are times, there are times you can look at another person and you know what city they're going to. And here's the question, whether you're a natural dad, a spiritual dad, an authority of any kind, you you want to somehow spare them from that moment. And can I just share this? I'm just going to be thoroughly honest. I believe there are great men and women of God in America today. I believe there are lots of great pastors and lots of great churches. And and, and who am I to even begin to bring a critique to any ministry? I'm sure most, if not all, are doing exactly what God has called them to do. But here's the problem with a lot of pastors. And that is we get overly compassionate. And we don't want to tell them anything tough. We don't want to tell them that you're going to have to go through Gilgal and get your heart circumcised. We don't want to tell them they're going to go to Bethel and you're going to have to break out of your senses. We don't want to tell them that there's a Jericho and God might ask you to do some strange and unusual things. And we sure enough don't want to tell them Jordan is going to demand you stepping out of your safety zone and getting to a new zone. Let's just not rock the boat. Let's just tell them what they really want to hear. And if we just keep telling them what they really want to hear, maybe, just maybe, somehow or another, we can avoid all this stuff. And truth of the matter is, we have avoided this stuff. We've avoided the very power of God. We'll get a great show, but ain't nobody getting up out of their wheelchair. And so we've got to begin to challenge people. Folks, listen to me. I so want to be like, can I just say that I want to be like, I want you to like me. Please like me. Please like me. I want to be liked. But there will be sacrifice. There's going to be difficulty. There are times God's going to stretch you. He's going to take you to a place where you don't know where your next bill is going to get paid. Maybe sometimes your next food is going to come from. There's going to be these moments. Yes, yes, it is hard. I'm sorry. I wish I could avoid it. Yes, but if you will do this, there is a mantle. There's a mantle. If you want it. You can say what you want about Pastor Baird and you can talk about the ministry or legacy. But doggone it, you can't say we don't challenge you. So if they say, yeah, that's a hard place, you're right. I, then, I, you know, I go back and forth on this hard thing. It's not hard if you got passion. I don't know. I don't, think, I don't think going through this is all that hard. But is it a hard thing? Yeah, it's not an easy thing. And our greatest disservice leaders do is to tell you to relax when it's time to press on. So there was an overly compassionate spiritual dad. Number two, there are people who want to talk you out of it. Now, it's interesting that there are two occasions here is they're going through these cities. There are two occasions where the sons of the prophets try to talk Elisha out of going on two different occasions. One, I believe, is here in verse three at Bethel. And um, the other one was at Jericho in verse five. 
In fact, both times they say exactly the same thing. It says, do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And Elisha says, yes, I know. Keep silent. Now, what they're doing is this. They're saying, listen, Elisha. These are all the the ministerial friends. Sons of the prophets are around Elisha. They're saying, listen, Elisha. You know, Elijah's dying. He's a good guy, but the horse has run his race. He's dying. It's time to just let it go. Just let him die. It, it just, come on. You don't, you don't need to go through all of these things. And Elisha kept saying, nope, 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 nope. In fact, I, I'll just say to you, if you're going for double portion, people will try to talk you out of it. Don't let, don't let other, let me tell you, you're going to find Christian friends. And they're going to tell you it doesn't have to be that hard. I've had Christian friends, minister friends, look at me. And they'll say, Kevin, it doesn't have to be that hard. And, and maybe they're right. The way you do ministry doesn't have to be that hard. The problem is, I don't see no power there either. So you know what? I'm not going to emulate what isn't working as far as the power of God goes. Show me somebody that's got the power of God moving, and I'll go after that. So don't let that crowd shake you. They will tell you, oh, there's no need for that. You don't have to put forth that much energy. There's no reason to inconvenience yourself anymore, Elisha. Come on now. You're making too big a deal out of this. You're making too much of this moment. And the same crowd that will tell you that is the same crowd that couldn't raise a gnat's wing. And Elisha looks at him, and I'm just translating real loosely here. He looks at him and says, shut up. Shut up. There are some people you need to look at it when they discourage you. You Use the biblical phrase. Keep silent. Put a thee or a thou in there and you'll feel better even. Keep silent. Just put in Jesus' name. That'll even make you feel more. Better. I don't even know that that's a proper English there. Keep silent. Come on. We're, we're, we're not going where you're going. We're not going there. There there has got to be a witness in the earth concerning the power of God. And so there are going to be folks all along the way. It's interesting. All along the way, they tried to stop him. Number three. The other thing that struck me was this, is that there were people, these same sons of the prophets, who stopped at different cities. And they decided to go no further. Now that was fascinating to me. Sons of the prophets, who apparently were moving from city to city because there were some obviously at Gilgal. There were some, the Bible says, at Bethel. And there were some, obviously, verse 5 says, at Jericho. So the sons of the prophets, some of them, apparently were at every city. And, And so I just began to see in this that there will be those who will go a distance, but not all the way. They'll go part of the way, but not all the way. They, they may go to Gilgal, but they're not going to Bethel. And they may get to Bethel, but they're not going to Jericho. And they may get to Jericho, but breaking out of the box at Jordan, I'm not sure about all of that. And what they want to do is they want to stop you because, listen to me, when you press on, it makes those who stop look bad. It's the same theory at work, when you're working with somebody or a group of people at work, and you're giving a good day's work for a good day's pay, and they look at you all of a sudden and they say this, hey, whoa, 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 slow down, don't work so hard, you're making the rest of us look bad. They want to they pull you back to the lowest 
common denominator. They want to make sure that you function like the group does. So nobody else looks bad in all of this. But here's the problem with that group mentality. It won't get you promoted. It won't get you favor. It won't get you any sort of enlargement. There are going to be people who stop all along the way. But you're going to have to press through to the end. Folks, I know every church in America now does contemporary music. But we don't stop with modern music. We go all the way to worship. I know we want to be relevant. But it's time that we pushed the envelope and got revelational as well. We are okay with the Holy Spirit encouraging and blessing and giving us the warm fuzzies. But we don't want to go so far as manifestation stuff. Come on, we've got to start getting back to the place on Sunday morning, the Holy Ghost shows up. Amen. Let me tell you, I'm not going to wait for people to get healed to Wednesday night after service in a back room. Sunday morning, they need to get healed. They need to get whole. The power of God needs to come again. Hey, we're just not going to shabba do on a Wednesday, but we ought to be able to bless the Lord with spiritual language when we gather together. It's in the Bible. Whoa, 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 whoa. But you might alienate. Well, I may alienate one or two, but I sure enough am not going to alienate the Holy Spirit. Not going to do it. Just not going to do it. I'm pressing on. We've got to press on. Who will carry that witness? Who will carry that mandate? Who will cry out for power? And then finally, number four, and I'm done. All these things were trying to stop him. But the fourth interesting thing that took place were people who wanted to recapture the past. Now listen to this in verse 16. They saw Elisha come across under the power and the spirit of Elijah. And so they they respected him. They honor him in verse 15. But in verse 16 it says, Then they said, or the sons of the prophets said, Look now, there are 50 strong men with your servants. Please let them go and search for your master, lest perhaps the Spirit of the Lord has taken him up and cast him upon some mountain or into some valley. And he said, You shall send no one. Now in verse 16, Elisha says he's standing his ground. He's saying, I know what I know. I saw what I saw. There's no reason to send out a search party. I I know... What I know, you're not going to send anyone. But verse 17, listen to what happens. But when they urged him till he was ashamed. Have you ever had your your little kids just ask and beg and whine and fuss and please, 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 come on, come on. And finally you just go, oh, okay, take it, go. Because it's just. Well, that's what they were doing. They just stayed on and on and on until finally, until finally Elisha began to second guess himself. He was ashamed because they're looking at him saying, come on, Elisha, he could be dead on a mountain somewhere. He could be languishing in a valley somewhere and look at you. Yeah, I bet you're all that. Yeah, you slapped the water and it split. I bet you don't care. But our master's out there. And so finally, Elisha just said, go ahead. And therefore they sent 50 men and they searched for three days but did not find him. And when they came back to him, for he, meaning Elisha, had stayed in Jericho, he said to them, did I not say to you, do not go? In fact, I think he's just mad at himself. The sons of the prophets, let me tell you what was going on here. 
They saw this new thing that was going on in Elisha's life. And I don't know how they were assimilating all of this, but they were ready to go back and recapture what they had. They wanted to go back and find Elijah. They wanted to revive what was gone. And Elisha, you know, he felt bad at first and he said, go ahead. But he knew, he really knew that the, the, the Elijah thing was over. Folks, we're in a new era. And we've got to capture the mantle for our day. People may want to go back. Listen, I'm not going back. I'm not going back to my old denomination. I'm not going back to the old places I have been. I thank God for all the cities that he's used in my life. But I am not going back. There is a time to shut the door and go forward. There's a time. I'm telling you, we try to recapture these these Kodak moments. We've got some Kodak moment in our mind that we remember years ago that we say to ourselves, oh, I want that. And I know churches at this very moment whose people have ground to a halt because they're trying to recapture something that took place in 1991. They need to let it die. And go on with what God is trying to do in this hour Let me tell you, you can ride a dead horse, but it ain't going nowhere. God may be doing some new stuff. And He wants to do new things in your life. And He wants to do new things in my life. And He's not taking us back to get it. He's moving us forward to receive it. Come on, Elijah is dead. Moses is dead. These things are dead. Can I just share this with you? And this is going to sound like heresy. But just think about it before you throw a stone. The book of Acts is gone. There's a new Acts of the Holy Spirit that needs to take place. Listen, that's not to say it's not scripture and it's not truth. I'm just saying it is my springboard to the future. We're trying to go back to get something. And I'm telling you, you're looking the wrong way. It is time to go forward. It is time to go forward. Oh, if I could just recapture. If you just recaptured it, you wouldn't like it. It'd be stale. The expiration date is gone. Before you, if, before you embrace the past, smell it. <laughs> Pour that thing out, man. That has expired. That's an expiration date that's gone. Hallelujah. But we got to cry. Let me tell you, we have got to cry for spiritual power. So that's what we're going to do this morning. Stand with me, will you? We're going to cry out for spiritual power. Hallelujah. Musicians, <clears throat> Laura, you can come and go to that last song and just, just ever so slightly play in the background. Hallelujah. How many of you this morning would say with me, I need the power of God in my life. I need the power of God at some level, some form or fashion. Maybe you need healing. Maybe you need provision. Maybe you need an open door. I but I need, come on, put your hands up. Put your, I need, Lord, I'm crying for spiritual power. I am tired of the normal. I want some abnormal. Or I want your normal. Lord, I cry out, where is the Lord God of Elijah? Where is the Lord God, Lord of the Great Awakening? Where is the Lord God of the Cane Ridge Revivals? Where is the Lord God of the Second Great Awakening? Where is the Lord God of Whitfield? Where is the Lord God of Wesley? Where's the Lord God of the healing movement? Where's the Lord God of the charismatic renewal? Where's the Lord God of the latter rain? Oh God, where is the Lord God? 
Lord, we cry out for power. We cry out for power. Power for kingdom purpose. Come on, I'm crying out. I'm asking. Elijah said, ask. Ask. Jesus said, ask. James said, you have not. Because you ask not. Crying out for spiritual power. Can we right now together, let's just together, let's repent for our powerless ways. Let's repent for being satisfied in our powerless ways. I don't know that he'll open the faucet instantly this morning. It would be wonderful and we should anticipate that. But maybe God's bringing us through Gilgal this morning. Maybe for some of us he's taking us through Bethel. Maybe there's a few of you that there's a Jericho before you. A strange strategy. And I can assure you for all of us, Jordan is there to break out of our boxes. Come on, we got to break out. We got to break out of the box of the holy city. This is just how it is in the holy city. I break out of that box in the name of Jesus. This is how church is supposed to go. I break out of that box in the name of Jesus. We cry out for spiritual power. Well, we've heard the testimonies of the great men and the great women of God. Some we've had to read in books. Some we can remember faintly because they were around when we were young. Some right now are leaving the scene. Come on, who, who's going to pick up the mantle of a Jerry Falwell? Who's going to pick up the mantle of an Oral Roberts? Come on, we're so easy to throw stones at these men of God. But who's going to pick up the mantle? What church is going to pick up the mantle? What people will pick up the mantle? Lord, we cry out for spiritual power this morning. We cry out, Lord, first for you. But Lord, as we cry out for you, we tell you this morning, we are crying out to the God of miracles, the God of signs and wonders. The God of the impossible. We cry out to you, O oh God. Restore to your people once again. The power of thy name. The power of thy presence. The ability, Lord, to do what has been done and even more. We cry out this morning, oh God. We cry out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In these last moments, we're going to sing and we won't take long. But all I'm doing is, is I'm just trying to get our hearts stirred so that when, when Pastor Noah shares next Sunday and Tracy and I are going to be here as well, and, and, and we may share just a little bit, but the fact of the matter is, we're just going to believe. We're going to get a focal point for power to come. And so we need to cry out this morning and begin to believe God 
for a moment. There was a moment when fire fell from heaven. There was a moment in that upper room when God came. There was a moment when Elijah had the fire fall there at Mount Carmel. There's always a moment. Come on, we got to believe for that moment. So I want you to help me to cry out. Let's do that right now. I want you to slip out from where you're standing. And I want you to break out of your box right now. Step across your Jordan. And get down here right now to the wells of the church. Say, I don't, I, I don't like moving. Come on, break out of your box a little bit. And let's start crying out. All we're going to do is cry out this morning. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? Come on, let's cry out. Saying, oh God, we need you. Come in power. To fill us again with your power. Baptize us in your presence. Baptize us with the Holy Spirit. And with fire. God's going to give you is to kick 
the sides of your boxes out. The first sign of power is when courage comes back to you again. That there's just this radical courage that comes to you. That says, I can trust Him. I can believe Him. God will not let me. Let me go. I watch third world people go home to live in garbage dumps. But they see limbs grow. They see eyes open. God's not going to send you to a garbage dump. But He is going to make you kick down the walls of your boxes. And He's going to make you believe Him for a miracle to get across that Jordan to a destiny. Some of you right now, you're so locked into the natural and I understand you work and you live in the natural arena every day. I understand that. And I know, I know everything in your arena is screaming at your senses to pull you by your senses, to pull you by your fears, to pull you by your anxieties, to pull you one more time into that natural man. And the reason the Lord says you need to be in the house of God is because there's moments like these that He unveils your eyes and He, and, and he shows you that there are angels all around. He shows you that there be more for you than against you. Some of you right now, God has spoke to you about a strange, unusual strategy. And maybe there was someone that talked you out of it. Maybe you shared it and they just took, they snuffed it out. I don't know. But, but this is just for your personal life. But out of that strange strategy, God will bring walls down. That's what it's going to take to get the power of God back in our midst. It's to risk, it's to risk our reputations. It's to risk what people think. It's, it's to risk the approval of man for the approval of God. Lord, we cry out, I thank you for everyone in this congregation, Lord, those that pressed in, those, Lord, that are in the congregation, those that could not be here. Lord, I thank you for this local church. I thank you, Lord, that there is a heart cry here this morning in an unusual way to see God move in power. Lord, we must have your power. Show us thy power. Lord, show this generation. This generation has yet to see the power of God. Lord, show us. Show us your power. Release your virtue. We need, we need, Lord, we need that happening in our midst again. And Lord, we're praying right now. We're beginning to pray right now. Seven days from this Sunday, Lord, we're going to gather again in this place. Come on, intercede with me right now. We're, we're going we're gonna to pick a day. We're going to let our faith pick a day right now.
on June, what is it, the 7th. We're just going to let our faith be released to a moment. And Lord, we're going to do as we've been exhorted to do. We're going we're gonna to do our best to bring that friend. We're going to do our best to bring that needy person. We're going to do our best to bring the one who needs to see power operate. Those that are at their wits end, those who have lost their hope, those who have no joy, those who are sick in their body, those who are diseased in their mind, those who are addicted, those who are in bondage, those, Lord, who need something that's impossible in their life to be turned around. Lord, we're believing right now for the God of Elijah to show up and do what can only be ascribed to you. We're going to risk it right now and declare bodies shall be healed in the name of Jesus. We're going to declare it long time depression shall be broken finally and completely in the name of Jesus. Hearing that was stopped up deaf ears will 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 be unlocked in the name of Jesus hallelujah oh cancers cancers will depart they will dry up and leave people's bodies in the name of Jesus I don't know how it'll all unfold, but I'll guarantee you this. We're not, we're not going backwards, we're going forwards. I need a forward miracle. And so, Lord, this morning, I thank you again. I thank you for this people who are believing you right now. Can you just take just another 30 seconds, would you? And one more time, say, Lord, I'm believing for spiritual power. I'm believing for miracles. I'm believing for a distinguishable difference and outpouring in my life I am believing in my hostile environment for the favor of God and the anointing of God Lord that your glory will accompany me wherever I go I am unmoved in this regard power to your people Lord I thank you that that cry has gone up this morning Lord, help us this week. Remind us, quicken us to keep interceding all week long. To let our cry, come on, in your devotional time this week, just write it down when you go back to your seat here in just a minute. Write it down and just say, I'm crying for spiritual power. I'm crying out for a new anointing. I'm crying out for an Acts chapter 4 refilling of the Holy Ghost. God's going to do it. And Lord, I thank you this morning that that expectancy, I sense it in the house. Lord, you've been bringing us to that moment. I believe you're bringing us to the Jordan. I've been sensing it for a while. Lord, help us to strike the waters and to see you move. I'm coming your way. I'm coming your way. I'm coming your way. 
natural thing to do and that's that's important and that's God's will but you've got to find that place somewhere inside of you that's going to come back seven days from now where's Noah where are you man come here real quick man run run come here all right that's fine right here everybody lift your hands right now to Noah. I told him I said I was gonna I was just I was giving him I said, you can only take about 30 minutes. Don't be long-winded like pastor. Because I need some time to work with people. So he's going to be sharing for a few moments, but it's, I'm telling you, we're going to believe for miracles. But right now, lift your hands toward Pastor Noah right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, you're going to anoint this man like he's never been anointed before. You're going to put a word in him like he's never had before. Lord, I, I, I know he works hard at it, already been thinking and considering, trying to hear your spirit. And Lord, I appreciate that and I know his heart's towards you. But Lord, I pray right now that you would just cause a radioactive word to come out of him that Lord would, would spring us, spring us into the signs and the wonders and the miracles. Lord, I know it's new for him, but Lord, you're doing a new thing. Lord, maybe I'm kind of like an Elijah and he's kind of like an Elisha, maybe. I don't know. But Lord, I pray right now that some waters get struck next Sunday. And miracles would begin to unfold. I pray, Lord, I pray right now that whatever it is you once spoke to us, Lord, that Lord, it would come through. And we're, we're believing God for him and Lord, we're believing that through him and into us as a people, Lord, the impossible is going to begin to take place. And so, Lord, we rejoice 
glad for what you've done this morning. Lord, you put in us, I thank you, you put in us a cry for power. Lord, we're going to cry out all week long. But Lord, bring us to this place. We're marking it on our calendar. It's a date with our destiny. June the 7th. Lord, amazing, miraculous things. Lord, we expect it and anticipate it in Jesus' mighty name. And we all said amen. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord a big hand clap. Hallelujah. All right. You're you're released this morning as you go. You ought to give somebody a high five or hug their neck. And you tell them, man, you don't want to miss. Say, it's going to be wild. Hallelujah. God bless you. You're released. Remember, no Wednesday. No Wednesday night now. No Wednesday. But we'll see you on the Lord's Day next Sunday.